this modern age. Perfect. Too many people have lost sight of the true meaning of Christmas. Mom! Hush! Shut up, Ralphie! So now, in the spirit of the original... I made you! Stop! Traditional... American Christmas. Thanks a lot! MGM presents... A Christmas Story. Santa's beard. And unwraps the secrets. Did I get a tie this year? Of the original, traditional. He looks like a deranged Easter bunny. 100% two fisted, red blooded. It's smiling at me. All American Christmas. A Christmas story. Good morning, One Church. What's up? I'm Carlo. I get to be one of the pastors here at One Church. So excited to be here with you. Listen, we normally do our our practical next steps and how to respond to a message. We normally talk about that at the very end, um, but I'm going to give you one right now. If you have never watched a Christmas story, that is your homework. Like, you just make sure you do what you have to do. Don't steal the movie. I have to say that because we're One Church, right? Some of y'all might be in here and want to do that. So don't steal it. Um, but watch that movie uh, if you have not seen it. It's a phenomenal. I love it. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas movies, and I'm excited that we're going to continue Netflix Miss Part Two, talking about contentment and a Christmas story. And we'll get there in just a few seconds. We'll be in Luke 12. So if you want to go ahead and open up your your phone, your YouVersion app, click on the events page. You can follow the notes there. Find One Church on the events link, and you can follow. And we'll be in Luke 12, and we're going to talk about a Christmas story, and we'll get there in a few. I am not a fan of gift exchanges. We had a tradition in my extended family where we would draw a name every year and uh, buy a gift for a person. And you're supposed to get a gift just for the person whose name you draw, right? Have you done that before? Do the gift exchange thing. That's to help grown folks not go broke, right? Buying presents for all your brothers and their kids and for everyone in the world. So you just, you know, pick one person, buy one. Usually set a spending limit, $20, $25. And, and in theory, all of that is supposed to work because it saves you money and it's supposed to take the stress and the hassle out of buying gifts, right? Not so. Because someone always stresses harder over what they're going to get than they should. Well, I don't know what to get the person. Um, people make a fuss about, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to get. And worse, someone always spends three times over the limit, right? And makes the rest of you look kind of silly for buying that. One person, they will ignore the rules altogether 
and they usually just buy presents for everyone. In our family, that's typically my mother-in-law. She doesn't care. She's the boss, right? She'll just buy presents for everyone, uh, make the rest of us look kind of silly. We would do this when I was little, same kind of exchange. My mom would have, you know, my brother, older brother, buy a gift for me. I'd buy a gift. And she'd give us like an allowance. Here's 4 or $5, go buy a present. And my business-savvy brother would just go to the closest bubblegum machine, right, and buy me a little 25-cent something and keep the change, right? So that's my experiences with gift exchanges. I'm not a fan. Worse to me than the gift exchange is the gag gift exchange. Have you done that? Even worse. Here, let me give you a pepperoni or a mousetrap. Like, there's nothing funny about I, I, A little bit of violence rises up in me when I open up a present and it's a, a can of Raid, right? Like, that's not cool. That's not fun to me. Um, but more than that, what, I, what I'm not a fan of is the idea that if I buy some, someone gives me a gift and I don't like it, I can just go easily and take it back and exchange it. Um, I'm just not a fan of people who give you gifts expecting you to return it. Well, here's the receipt. If you don't like it, you can take it back. And it makes me just say, well, just stop buying me stuff that you think I'm not going to like. Like, we can resolve this whole thing. Just get me the stuff that I want. Here's what I want. I want the gift that keeps on giving. Cash money. I can't exchange. I can't give the cash back, right? So give me some money, right? What I want for Christmas is to pay some bills. Some of y'all are with me, right? I know I got three, three witnesses in the room, right? Some cash. Uh, I love food, and I love copyrighted material because you can't return any of those things. It makes gift giving really, really easy. One year, I went with my brothers and sisters. We were down in Tampa to one of the largest malls down there, and we made the mistake of going on December 26th to return a gift. I don't even remember what the gift was, but there were probably 50,000, 60,000 people. The older I get, the more people were there, so just bear with me. It was probably 1,000 people, but in this part of the story, there's 50,000, 60,000 people. Like, we park a mile away. It just was so crowded and wall-to-wall people, and I was getting touched in places I don't want to get touched when I'm in the mall. You know what I'm talking about? Just so many people crowding up on you and it was crazy for what to exchange a gift that someone didn't want in the first place a big hassle so again give me food give me socks copyrighted material money all the or the money to buy all those things but stuff that it's hard to exchange that's my favorite type of gifts in all seriousness i'm grateful i know i don't sound grateful this morning but i am grateful for gifts whatever is given to me because i don't deserve much like i'm sure we all feel like that sometimes uh but i I, i'm I'm grateful for gifts How, how do you feel about christmas gifts We've talked a lot in this series about family so far and, and what, what the connotations of Christmas with family means. But what about Christmas and gifts, Christmas and stuff? How does that make us feel about that? Maybe I'm getting a little older or I think about gifts differently. But the more I think about this part of Christmas, the more it makes me wrestle with my contentment issues. And the more it makes me realize that we have a lot of issues with contentment. When I look at the Bible and see passages like Philippians 1 and Matthew 6 and, and excuse me, Philippians 4 and Matthew 6 and 1 Timothy 1 and Luke 12, where we're going to be at today, I really see that the contentment God wants us to have is this perfect condition in life where basically it's all good. I have him. I'm good. I don't really need a bunch of other things. Socrates said this, he who is not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have makes us wrestle with contentment. So our, our big idea today is this. We, what we are attached to determines our contentment. Our mission today is to get us to realize we want to be content with Jesus, who we are in him, what it means to follow Christ, and the great mission that he's given us, and everything else we can have, stuff, relationships, all that other stuff is just the icing on the cake. 
we want to be at peace with where we are right now and not have this insatiable desire for more just for the sake of more. And so what we're attached to, if we're attached to stuff, if we're attached to money, if we're attached to relationships to the point that they become the most important thing in our life, then we're never, ever going to be at peace. We're never going to have contentment. And so what we want to do today is learn, well, what do I need to cut ties with in order to attach to Jesus to live this contented life? Contentment isn't being passive. It's not complacency or laziness or even lack. It is an active confidence and assurance in a God who will provide for you, who will meet every single need that you have. Pastor Judah Smith, he says, you have everything you will ever need through Jesus. And that's such a powerful truth that when we really grasp that, it changes not just how we look at Christmas, but how we look at every other area of our lives. Some people try to find hope and peace and joy and fulfillment in stuff. Well, if I just buy that coach bag, if I just buy those shoes, if I just get one more rifle, men, right? If I just get one more pistol, I'm going to be good to go. If I just get one more DVD, one more Xbox game, one more thing, then it's all going to be good. But you and I know how that story ends, right? We've seen that TV show. The more stuff we have, the more we end up chasing more stuff. And so what we want to do is be people who are content. More than that, we chase stuff. And not only do we try to find our peace and our fulfillment in those things, we don't find peace and fulfillment where it truly lies. It's one thing to say you can find peace in Jesus, but what does that mean? And really, finding peace in Jesus means living like him. The greatest joy we have as the people of God, Christ followers, is truly acting like him. That means giving of ourselves to others. Giving the stuff that we have to those who do not have is the sweet spot where you really do find joy and peace and contentment. Why do we wrestle with that? I think we have contentment issues. So, A Christmas Story, classic American movie, all about this young kid named Ralphie who's obsessed with a Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock. That is what he wants more than life itself, more than breath itself. He chases after this weapon, this gun, this BB gun, the whole movie. He's obsessed with getting this one thing. And in A Christmas Story, Ralphie often ignores all of the good things that are already in his life because he's so worried about what he wants to have. Ralphie has a little brother. Ralphie has a loving mother. Ralphie has a father. Whether he's loving or not, you can watch the movie and determine that. But he has a father, right? Uh, Ralphie has friends. He's got a big house, you know. He's got just a happy life an elementary school kid would have. And yet, Ralphie also has a mean right hook, right? There's an awesome scene. He beats up the bully. Like, Ralphie has some ground and pound in him, so he knows how to fight. Um, It's a great movie, but this kid, he's just so obsessed with getting that one thing. He chases after it. We often take the same attitude as Ralphie does in that movie. We often overlook the good that we already have, the friends we already have, the relationships we already have, the peace God has already given us, the joy God has already given us, the stuff we already had. If you're in this room and you woke up and turned your lights on because you paid your bill, you have so much more than so many people have, and yet we obsess over what we don't have. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. This is not an anti-stuff message. So some of you guys can unpucker now, right? You're getting a little tense. This is not an, uh, this is not, I am up here preaching from an iPad and an iPhone. All right. This is not about stuff. This is not an anti-stuff message at all. It's, it's, it's fun to have things when you can get them, right? 
Ralphie wanted a shiny BB gun. I was in the store the other day, saw a nice shiny M4. I would love for that to be mine one day too, right? It's, there's, there's no problem wanting those things. The problem is when the things have us. There's nothing wrong with possessions, but when our possessions possess us, or when our quest for possessions possess us, therein lies the problem. We get off track when through our discontentment, we allow things to own us, relationships to own us, whatever it is that we're chasing. When we allow that to own us and consume us, that's when we have the problem. So if we want to be content, we have to cut ties with a few things. First thing we have to cut ties with is greed. This is the rough one because none of us wants to acknowledge the greed in our lives, but we need to cut ties with greed. Let's look at Luke 12. Jesus is talking to a crowd of people here. And someone in the crowd, verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, I like to say it like that because that's how I envision Jesus talking. Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Jesus had a little bit of soul, right? Man, who? this isn't my business. And then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of what? Greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus again. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it is with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So in this passage of scripture, two big things jump out at us right away. Beware of all types of greed. And then Jesus explains that greed and kind of ends that story saying, be careful that you don't store up things for yourself, but not be rich towards God to be rich towards God, to rest in what he's given you, to rest in who you are in him, to rest in the fact that he'll provide for you, and to act like he would with all of the things he's given you. So someone needs joy, someone needs hope, someone needs encouragement, and so God's given that to you. Our mission now is to share that, spread that with other people. It's what it means to be rich towards God. And the word Jesus used for greed here, it's a, it's a fancy Greek word that just literally means uh, it suggests a thirst for having more. So be, uh, be aware, be on guard against this thirst, this insatiable desire to have more and more stuff. He's not referring to providing for your needs. He's not referring to taking care of your family. This is a greed that wants to acquire excess for the sake of excess. You with me? So greed is a, a big pet peeve of mine. Um, Now, I'm not sitting here on a fancy high horse telling you that I don't have things. Do any of you have that room in your house that just stores stuff? You don't know why you still have it. You don't know why it's there. For some of you, it's the garage. We all have like one or two junk drawers in our house, right? You don't need those five ketchup packets. You don't need those soy sauce from Chinese food a year ago, but you still have them in your house, right? Every one of us knows where the extra napkins and the wet naps and where I can find an old uh cord from a from a video game system i don't use anymore we keep and get all this stuff and we compile it i have bookshelf in my house that has almost more non-books on it than books 
it's full of books, but it's also full of everything else that I added, managed to squeeze in there. So we can, we can get a lot of stuff. I'm not talking about that as much as I'm talking about this desire to continually add on, add on, add on. Greed's a huge pet peeve of mine. I went to the store one year. It was cold, and it was going to be colder, and so I needed some spray can de-icer. Any of you ever used that stuff? I don't know if it's good for you or not, but it makes scraping your window really fast, right? You spray the stuff on there, boom, it's done. So I was going to go get some of that de-icer, went to a big store in our town, and got back to the section where it was, and they had three shelves of de-icer. You know, like an end cap, nice and displayed out. There was no de-icer on three shelves. There wasn't one can in the entire store, not one. And having witnessed the panic shopping that happens in our town, I knew right away what happened. One or two people went in there, just like I did, and saw that they needed de-icer, and they bought it all. I'm just going to buy 10 cans since the 10 cans are here. They know they're not going to need those 10 cans. They know they're not going to use them, but they went in there and they bought them all up. Were any of you here for the flood of 2010? You remember that? Flood down on Riverside. Some of you were, some of you weren't. If you weren't here, if you've ever driven down Riverside Drive, there was a moment in 2010 where you would have been in water up to like your car door. The whole thing flooded. It was a terrible mess. I live in northwest Clarksville up on the high ground. If you're familiar with the topography of our city, you go uphill coming from the river, like up Providence Boulevard. We call it Boot Hill around here. So you go up ground. So the same store where I found no de-icer back in 2010, I just needed to buy water because it was time to buy groceries and get water. And a little bit of word got out that there may be some water problems. And people were buying like 15 cases of water at a time in northwest Clarksville on the high ground. Like if it floods in northwest Clarksville, Jesus is coming. Like ba- something bad has gone. R- it's terrible. Like, a lot of people are already hurting. If you, The last thing on your mind should be buying bottled water if the water ever gets that high in our city, right? It was just didn't make any sense. It's the person at the buffet, you know the one, you might be the one, who instead of treating it like it is a buffet, meaning you can put one scoop and eat it and then go back and get more, but it's the one person who sits there and scoops and scoops and scoops and scoops, eats up all the bourbon chicken, right, what you've been waiting for forever. No home training at all, right? Mama didn't teach him anything. Like, just greed, hoarding everything. I can't stand greedy folks, and that's exactly who Jesus is talking about in this story. That type of greed. He's teaching how it's more important to be rich in spirit than rich in pocket, than rich in stuff. And here's, let's unpack it. Verse 16. He says, the ground of a certain rich man produced good crop. Who, who causes the ground to bring forth its good crop? If you read the Bible, we know that's a God thing, right? The man plants the seed, the man waters the seed, the man tends to it, but at the end of the day, God's the one who ultimately does what he does and lets that nature happen to make that thing grow. So you could translate verse 16 into, God bless this guy with abundant crops. Verse 17, the man thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. Greed. Why didn't this man do something else with those crops? Now, some of you guys like to spend other people's money, right? 
you love to sit around and talk about what someone else should have done with their money. Well, those football players should do this and that. We, we love to do that. That's not a healthy habit, by the way, to spend other people's money or determine how other people should give. But since Jesus put this man on blast for eternity, we get to do the same thing and say, this dude was greedy. He was messed up. He could have done something great with that money. He didn't give his access to the poor. He didn't try to, to do anything other than hoard it. And this is not a political statement that I'm making or that Jesus is making. Because listen, the only, there's only two people who will ask you to give them something for nothing, right? Only two types of people. One who is begging or one who is robbing you. Those are the only two people I know who say, give me all that stuff for nothing in return, right? That's not what Jesus is saying here at all. He's saying this guy had barns and tore down perfectly good barns to build bigger ones. In his desire to have more and more stuff. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. The man said, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. I always hear that in like Mr. T's voice. I won't do that to you this morning because y'all aren't ready for that yet. But I hear it in Mr. T's voice. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. You've heard the saying, you can't take it with you. Have you heard the saying, you can't take it with you? Yes, this is that story in action. This is Jesus literally giving us an example of a guy who made all his plans. I'll just take life easy now. I'll just relax and live off, live off of this stuff. And God said, guess what? Tonight, your life is going to be taken from you. In that story, we see Jesus really saying, listen, to be, to be generous, to be rich towards God is to be generous towards others. It's to do the opposite of what this guy did. Instead of taking it easy, it's, man, I'm going to work harder now to be a blessing with everything that God has given me. So we have to cut ties with greed if we really want to be content with the right things. Proverbs 28, 25 says, the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will what? Prosper. So you want to prosper, you really want to experience that joy, that fulfillment, we've got to cut ties with greed. And we've got to cut ties with worry. Let's keep reading. Verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Do not worry. One of my favorite scenes from A Christmas Story is when Ralphie finally gets to tell Santa what he wants for Christmas. Let's watch it. You think B thinks I'm working one minute past nine, he can kiss my foot. <laughs> Come on, up on Santa's lap. Here's a wet one. And what's your name, boy? Come on, Randy. And what do you want for Christmas, Billy? A toy truck. Get him off my lap. He's wet. Oh, I hate the smell of tapioca. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Nine o'clock! Great Scott, the store is going to close. Santa can't wait all night. Let's go! Come on up on Santa's lap. Ho, ho, ho! Kid. Quit dragging your feet. 
Come on, ho, 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 I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? <laughs> Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. Okay, what was kid. I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. No. Shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. And we're Ralphie was so worried about getting that that bb gun he was so worried about seeing santa and then he gets there and santa gives him the line that all the adults were giving him the whole movie you'll shoot your eye out he's so stressed and obsessed about this thing when he finally gets the chance what happens it completely disappoints him he's so anxious about having this thing in his life and then he finally gets that thing and realizes it disappointed him after all he spends the whole movie stressed. Ralphie does. The whole movie stressed about this BB gun. His mom spends the whole movie stressed about everything, right? This, his dad spends the whole movie stressed about the dogs and the car, and it's just a movie full of a bunch of stressed out people ignoring all the good they already have in their life, worried about something. I'm sorry if I'm ruining a Christmas story for some of you guys, but you'll be all right. It's, it's, it's amazing what stress and anxiety can do to us. And listen, I'm not talking about stress and anxiety that has been diagnosed by a professional. That's not what this scripture is talking about either. This is talking about greed, right? This is talking about a stress and anxiety of worrying about things, trying to control things, trying to make things happen in your life, obsessing over the wrong things. And here's the truth. You cannot be anxious and experience the peace of God at the same time. You can't. You have to choose. For some of us, every day we have to make that conscious choice. Today, I will choose the peace of God. He's already given it to me, so I don't have to keep asking him for it. He's already given me his peace. I just need to choose to live in it and walk in it and stand in it and believe in it. But you can't be anxious and experience the peace of God 
at the same time. This kind of contentment, this kind of peace, it's rooted in what Jesus says here in Luke 12, verse 24. He says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And since you cannot do this, this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. You want to be content, you have to let go of worry. Cut ties with worry. Cut ties with greed. Cut ties with worry. Trust God and know that contentment means, uh, to, to really live in contentment, I ultimately have to cut ties with fear. Cut ties with fear. Let's keep reading Luke 12. Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock. There it is again. Fear not. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Isn't that cool of God to tell you to seek the kingdom and then in the next verses say, and I'm going to give it to you. That's really awesome. Seek the, he's pleased to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. One of the things that keeps us from being content in Christ, it's this fear of the unknown. We so obsess over what we can't control. But my bills are due. But how am I going to make it? But what am I going to do? It's so hard out there. And that fear of the unknown causes us to start trying to do God's work for him and make things happen. That's what Ralphie does in this whole movie. He tries to manufacture the gift. He tries to manipulate his mom by sticking a picture of the red rifle ad in his mom's magazine. And he tries to write this awesome essay to his teacher because maybe his teacher will influence his parents to give him. He tries to go and say, well, Santa Claus will give me the gift. And this whole movie, he's trying to manipulate it because he's so afraid that he might not get the gift. And sometimes the stuff that we think will bring us joy, the desired future that we think is what we want, actually will hurt us more than just trusting God. And letting him do it. More stuff won't cure your fear. Jesus will. More stuff, more control is not going to help you one bit. Learn to trust him and to rest in his word. So where are you at with this, this time of year? Are you fearful, anxious, greedy? I know I'm guilty of all three from time to time. The truth is fear and greed and anxiety will never give me hope for a future. But Jesus absolutely will. He says in verse 32, don't be afraid. Your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. For where your treasure is, your heart will be. It's it's an awesome truth. Verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So what are we putting our hearts completely into, one church? Are we chasing after stuff or chasing after the only one who can really give us contentment? Again, This is not an anti-work message. This is not an anti-stuff message. This is not an anti-things message. It's talking about our heart that's not satisfied. We want our heart to be satisfied in him. That's God's will for you and I to experience the true joy that only comes from being content in him. So to wrap up, how do we practically cut ties with these things that are costing us 
our contentment. I'm going to give you four truths that we can apply them today. We can apply them right now. We can apply them this week. That'll help us all take the next step on truly living the content life that God has for us. The first thing is this. We need to worship fully. Worship fully. This means that we remember the Christ of Christmas by fully engaging what it really means this time of year. We attend worship experiences regularly. We don't stop. We don't take a break because it's Christmas. Well, you might be going out of town. Find the moment that you can still celebrate. In the midst of dealing with your crazy Uncle Otis being drunk and dancing on the table, find some way to find Jesus in that moment, whether it's with you, whether it's with your family, but worship. Come worship with us on Christmas Eve. Come to that 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock to make room at 5 for all the guests that we're going to have. Celebrate communion and prayer with your family. What if you prayed before you opened one present? Just say, Lord, thank you so much for a great year. Just set that example. It's an awesome thing that we can do. Worship fully. Second thing is this. Spend less. Yep, I said it. Spend less. How many of you remember the fifth present you got on Christmas 2007? Who remembers the third present you got for Christmas three years ago? Okay, last year. Who remembers the sixth present you opened on Christmas Day? None of us. Now, most of us in this room were adults. Y'all are looking at me crazy because you don't even remember what happened for Christmas last year. Do you know who has a worse memory than you do? Your kids. The one that you obsessed over getting that thing they just had to have. Mom, please, I need it so bad. And you spent your hard-earned money. You listened to your boss with their nonsense for four extra days to make that money to buy that thing for your child. And they don't even remember the thing that you bought. And if they're, if, they're, if they're younger than 10, it's even worse. A two-year-old will forget in about 15 minutes what you just bought them. Buying presents for a child under two years old, just give me the money. I promise I'll make good use of it. Or set it on fire. Because that one-year-old is going to play with that box and that paper more than it. The three-year-old is only interested in what you told them they can't do. Don't touch the tree. Don't do that. That's exactly what they want to do, right? So just set up a little room of all the things all year you've been telling your child they can't go play with and let them have at it. You know, go bang the pots, knock down the thing, break the glass, because that's about how effective spending tons of money is going to be. Spend less. Spend less. Instead, number three, give more. Now, I know I just said spend less, but hear me out. Instead of spending tons of money, give more. Give of yourself. Give more time. Be intentional about the gifts you do give. Make your gifts. Give an experience instead of a thing. A child will remember an experience. They'll remember that trip to the movies. They'll remember when you went to the Roxy together to see It's a Wonderful Life. They'll remember that trip to have hot cocoa, that Starbucks date that they got to have with mom or dad. They're not going to remember the 13th box of Legos you bought them when they were eight years old. But they'll remember the experience. So give of yourself more, and it'll help cut ties with the greed, the worry that keep us from being contentment. Finally, and most importantly, love all. Love all. By spending less on gifts, we free up resources to love others as Jesus would want us to love them. Allows us to give back because we've been so blessed. This week, you can figure out a way that you can love all, that you can truly live out this love of Christmas. You can volunteer to serve meals with Mana Cafe. If you don't know how to do that, come see me. I'll hook you right up. You can go volunteer to pack bags. You can do all kinds of things. You can just invite a friend out for coffee who you know is struggling during this time of year and give the gift of your time, give the gift of your attention. You could be a friend to someone 
who needs the gift of love. You can invite your friend to just connect with you, to come with you to one church service and experience because you know what they really need is Jesus, but you might not be bold enough to tell them you need Jesus. So just bring them and we'll do the job, right? And then we'll train you up so that in the future you could do the job. But either way, love someone, show someone that you're willing to do that. I talked about gift exchanges earlier and God really is the God of the exchange. He tells us to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. He tells us to take up his burden because it's easy and it's light. He tells us to exchange our worry and our doubt for his peace that'll blow our minds. He gave us his only son, Jesus, so that we could have life and have life forever. See, God is willing to take the gag gift that is my life, that is your life, all our sadness and our bitterness and our anger and our junk, And in exchange, he gives us joy. He gives us peace. Beauty for ashes, the Bible tells us. He gives us this great, amazing experience as we walk with him. It's one of the greatest exchanges you and I can make is to give our cares, give our very lives into the hand of him and watch all of the good that he gives us. Greed, worry, fear, those are worth exchanging for godly contentment. Now, we've talked about presents and trees and family and all that stuff. I encourage you, have fun. Have a blast. That stuff is great. Celebrate. Enjoy your, your traditions. Have a good time. While you are having a blast, remember Christmas is all about this great God who became one of us so that through Jesus we can find forgiveness, redemption, forgiveness of sins, grace and peace, and godly contentment. What you are attached to determines your contentment. And my prayer for you, One Church, is that your Christmas story will be one of godly contentment. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for saving us, God, and for calling us to be your people. I'm so grateful for how you allow us to be a part of this great big family called the church. How you give us your word and you give us your spirit to guide us and lead us. And you put us in relationships, community, where we can be better together, where we can grow. God, I'm just so thankful for all of that. I pray for anyone in this room right now who's not in that relationship with you. Today would be the day they would take that next step and just say yes to you. Start following you. That they would say, God, forgive me. I've blown it. I've messed up. I've tried to do my own thing. I have sinned. But God, from this day forward, I'm going to trust you. And I know when they do that, you do what only you can do and you save them by the power of your word. God, for those of us who are struggling with our greed, set us free from the need for more. God, for the one here who's so worried, let your words ring true in their life where you tell us to not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer to present our request to you and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And God, those who are struggling with fear, you tell us to fear not more than any other command in the word. More than any other command in your Bible, you say, fear not because you are with us. God, you're for us and we thank you for that. Help us to be a church that shines a light in the darkness of our city, letting people know that there is a place of contentment, there is a place of fulfillment, and it's found in following Jesus. So thank you, God, for your grace and your goodness. In the strong name of Jesus.